Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited. We got Fran returning from the front seat of his car. I am excited to have him on. Well, while I am excited, y'all should be too. Make sure you like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all that good stuff, get your emails whenever we go live, which is of course every day for another 11 days. Now we have, uh, we're going to be talking about fear of failure today. And uh, if you have any thoughts or questions or comments on that, by all means, put them up in the comment section. We can engage those throughout the show, uh, like, kind of like this one right here. Daniel, good morning, and uh, or afternoon, gents, collective family, winter storm. Good morning, team. Good to see you. Um, other than that, Fran, you want to give us another quick intro, and then we'll jump into the combo. Yeah, but I have to start by correcting you, because I'm not in the car. I'm in the field. Okay, that's what we call this in, in journalism. I've, I'm currently in the field. Maybe in my car, okay, but I'm, I'm not in the newsroom. So, yeah, I'm from... On the we, action we had a good front. pre-show before we hopped out here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm Fred Richopi. I spent uh, 13 years in the uh, U.S. Army Special Forces. I have to make that distinction for you Canadians, uh, where I served as a Green Beret and got out in uh, 2016 and um, held a number of corporate jobs in the security sector and now run my uh, security company and I creator. And I'm the creator and host of the Jedberg Podcast, which is my true passion. Bam. Love it. Good. Love always... It always good to have you on here Fran. this is uh it's always a blast and honestly if we could actually broadcast the the pregame that we always have we'd get shut down in a heartbeat <laughs> it, gets, it, gets, it gets a little no way. little heated just a, just a, a touch um okay well, anyway, well let's, i mean what do you got it's 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 important to to know though that i am in my car because for those who watch the show on a regular basis we recently all had the experience to see sean um, caravanning through southeast asia and he made it a point to me i think in an effort to shame me about something i don't know in the last time we spoke that he made sure that whatever the time was whatever whatever the situation was he was going to be on the show and so i had meetings come up today um in, uh, in new york and i said well what I have two choices. I have to call them and tell them I can't make it, or I have to be like my hero, Sean, who was in the back of a Southeast Asian taxi cab at one point and in the lobby of a hotel at another point. And it's not hard to hop in my car. And how could I wear this bracelet that says, you know, whatever it takes if I'm going to call and quit on you like that? What would Fran do? That's, that's what's going through my head now. What would Fran do? <laughs> And he, he would do whatever, whatever it takes. takes. It's funny Good because man. I was thinking WWSTD. What would Sean Taylor do? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, that sounds like a shirt right there. WWSTD and just not Fran. explain it to anybody. Um, but anyway, uh, let's talk about fear of failure because I think this is, uh, is going to be a great topic. And the reason I brought this up was I've had a number of requests to go over this. And I mean, we've touched on it here and there throughout uh, the show, throughout the year, and, but we never really did a deep dive on this specifically. So I'm going to give us a little starter here and we'll go from there. The fear of failure, also known as uh, atikophobia, is an irrational or persistent fear of failing that can stem from a variety of sources. It can manifest through subconscious behaviors or thought patterns that are invisible to the individual. People with uh, atikophobia may experience feelings of avoidance, anxiety, helplessness, and loss of control. 
This fear can interfere with their thoughts, emotions, and actions, leading to procrastination, avoidance, and stagnation. Coping with tachyphobia can be challenging, but it, is it can be positive and lead to better planning, focus, and preparation. So when you hear the term fear of failure with that little blurb in, uh, in your head, Fran, what are your first thoughts? Well, that was a, that was a lot. And I, I like definitions. Um, <laughs> when I think of fear of failure, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, so what? Like, like what, what if, what if you, what if you fail? What's really going to happen? There are very few things in life, very few, you could probably name them on, on one hand, that are final, that result in something that you can't come back from. And when we talk about fear of failure, what I actually think about is fear of taking action. And what are all those reasons that we create in our mind for why we can't do something? When in reality, what we need to be putting in our mind is all the reasons why we should do it. Because instead of thinking, what if I fail? How about what if I succeed? To me, that's going to get you a lot further. 100% agree. John, what are your first thoughts? Well, this is going to be a good conversation uh, because Fran has been in the game in a number of games long enough that he's faced some maybe minor failures, but he's faced failures because you've got to in the entrepreneurial stream that he's in or has been in, you're guaranteed to face failures. And uh, that's maybe something that will unwrap uh, myself as an entrepreneur as well. We can unwrap maybe later in the episode. So this is going to be a good one for sure. What does come to mind initially is this, and it's based on what uh, Fran said, that is uh, so failure, big deal. So what? And uh, that what immediately came to mind was, of course, we just came out of Japan. And uh, during that time period, I was like really trying to immerse myself in that mindset of what it, what it would be like to be a samurai, what it would be like to be Miyamoto Masashi, what it would be like to dot, dot, dot. And that, that warrior lifestyle, that way of Bushido, or more correctly, the way of the samurai, the samurai, generally speaking, considered themselves as already dead. And like, not like dead inside, but they considered themselves as, you know, uh, I, I'm all in and death isn't going to stop me. And so that fear of failure was stripped out of battle because they already stepped into battle considering that they were already dead so they could fully commit. And so that, that fear of failure is often what holds people back from fully committing to the thing that they're in. And so therefore... It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The amount of fear that you hold is the amount of failure that you'll get. And so the idea being that if you can full commit to something, yeah, maybe you'll fail, big deal. You'll get to do it over again uh, and learn a lesson or two. And so um, first thought was uh, to the samurai and how uh, they committed and how that can reduce failure. I like that. <clears throat> and I, I, I want to touch on that as well. Um, you brought up a good point, Fran, in terms of there's almost a, the flip side of this is the fear of success, right? Of the people that are, I guess, maybe afraid of the ambiguity of what might happen afterwards in that they don't know and therefore don't want to try. And 
I just want to, I'm going to come back to you on that, uh, come back to you with that. What are your thoughts on what Sean said in terms of going into battle already dead, as well as with uh, what we were talking about a second ago? What do you got? So it, it, what, I think what we're talking about is opportunity, right? And there's an opportunity for success, which might lead to failure. Let's think about for a second, I've had a, a really great opportunity to have this conversation with, um, I had it like way back on episode three, I think with, um, Boston Red Sox, you know, great Jerry Remy. And I asked him about, uh, about starting pitchers or, I'm um, sorry, closing pitchers in, ba- in baseball. Uh, and I also had this conversation with a number of professional athletes, uh, NFL players and Laura Wilkinson, who's a gold medal Olympic diver. Um, and I, and I asked him about this failure thing and, you know, moments of where you have to perform. And imagine for a second, if you're the closing pitcher and you've got to go out on the mound to save the game. And the only thing going through your head is what if I don't throw a strike? What if I throw a ball? Okay. It's, it's performance is a lot like driving. Okay, when you guys have taken driving courses, right? You know, Sean, they probably went to a similar driving course where they where they teach you on a racetrack. The car goes where your eyes look. So if I'm driving through the turn and I'm looking at the outside wall, going, "Oh, what if I hit the wall? I'm gonna hit the wall." But if I look through the turn, my hands are going to where my eyes are, and I'm gonna successfully come through that turn. Same way when you talk about performance, when you talk about these pitchers, when you talk about a basketball player on a free throw line, the visualization, the mindset, the perspective that they have is not what if I miss, it's what if I make it? What if I throw this? Closing pitchers are an interesting case because there's no one else. You can be a starting pitcher, and you know at the end of the day that if I screw this up, I'm going to get pulled, you know, in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth inning, right, I'm done. And someone's going to come in and have an opportunity. If I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm the owner of my company, as I sit here, you know, in the parking lot, and if I'm the closing pitcher, there's no one else. You're looking back. I'm looking in the back. See, there's nobody else here. I'm looking back in the building. There's nobody else. You're the person. And so when you know you're the person, I just posted about this. Uh, it's funny, Brace. I, I just posted about this, I think, not yesterday, the day before, where I talked about the fact that when I wake up every day, I know that I've got to give it everything I have because there's nobody else. And maybe we'll go out and find some people who care as much as I do. But at the end of the day, I'm empowered and and when in moments of performance, when all the failure is on the line and the difference between unity and success and failure is you and your performance. Those who embrace that moment. And realize that it's on them and accept that. Are empowered and encouraged by that. Have a great likelihood of success. Like that, Sean. Thoughts on this? Yeah, so I'm kind of in line with Fran in the sense of if 
if it's on the line, if it's all on the line, if the entire treasure chest is on the line, we'll freaking bring it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely sink my teeth into that. Uh, when something has consequences, I, I just consider it as fuel. And so mm, the fear of failure, uh, I suppose, may be uh, existing in that moment, but certainly the consequences will always overrule the fear or the the desired outcome will always overrule the fear. So there's always a way for me to overrule fear or to diminish fear or to smash on fear. There's always a way because uh, whatever, at, at my point in life, whatever's causing fear probably has something connected to it with a outcome or with a reward or with a something. So fear just doesn't live in my life constantly, ever present for no reason. It's usually attached to something and that something is consequential. And that consequential thing is like a treasure chest or is a reward or is a uber challenge that is going to make me grow in the moment. So fear of failure, <clears throat> well, I, I, I don't live in that constant state of it. It's usually a thing that's in front of my nose that I want to go smash on. And in so doing, I'm going to be rewarded for, quote unquote, facing my fear of failure. So um, I just want to distinguish that maybe some people walk around in a pretty regular state, uh, fear of failure, but that's not me. Um, the, the failures that I look at usually are attached to something that have value that I am striving to overcome. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, there's a there's a piece to this that I want to touch on because yes, not yesterday, but Monday we were chatting with uh, Wiz and Seb and uh, <clears throat> and Jay, and uh, the 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 thing that kind of caught me and put me on this road to put this in as one of the topics was the fact that you said at one point you were like I'm worried about messing up for the team or not worried about it, but like you're concerned. And that's where like the imposter syndrome starts to lay in. And that's where, you know, you don't, there's individual failure, right? Like I screwed up. I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to do this better, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's screwing up and screwing up for the team and having those consequences fall on other people instead of just yourself. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I think it's an interesting duality within the fear of failure, the difference between personal versus group and uh I, we got uh, a post from oh i can't get my words today salty jumped in here he said i hear fear of failure personal failure personal failure is growth failure of the group slash team is the fear of a loss that is greater than ourselves so what are you guys thoughts on that fran i'm gonna come to you first what do you think the greats want the ball in their hand when the game's on the line That's what I said. You don't see LeBron James and Michael Jordan passing the ball. You know, I mean, they might, right? But, like, most of the time when the game's on the line, the play is designed for them to get the ball. They want the ball. Tom Brady wants the ball in the last minute when you're down by four. He's not hoping that somebody else is going to figure it out, okay? 
and there are very few successes in life, and we've talked about this before, that are individual, where you can only look at yourself and say, ah, I only made it here because of me. Very, very few things in life. And likewise, there's very, very few things that you will fail at where you will fail because of you alone. And so I would argue that it's a um, probably a selfish attitude to think that if I have the skills and I have the experience and I have what's required to lead the team in this moment, why would I look for somebody else to do it? Because the team's looking at me. And they're not going to blame me when it goes wrong. Michael Jordan, there's a number of games where he missed a shot to win a game. Nobody turned around and was like, Jordan sucks. Let's not run that play again. Because in the next game, in the same situation, the ball's going right back to Jordan. And there's a reason for that. And, and so success and failure is not almost never an individual event. And so if we're worried about failing our team, that's a good thing, I would argue, because we want to be team. We want to be team based. We want to be a good team player. We want to care that the results of our action have an effect greater than ourselves. But we also have to understand that there's a reason why our number was called for that play. And our job is to go out and execute. I like that. Sean, thoughts on this? Yeah, I like that because it takes the pressure off of uh, a guy's peanut. Like, uh, Fran, just saying that right now, I feel like a little weight fell off my shoulders to some degree. Dude, have you ever coached? Have you ever thought about, like, coaching people or anything like that? Make, we'll talk about it later. So um, I feel I feel a little sense of ease now that Fran has put that out because I do feel pressure for the team. And he is right. The reason that I'm in front of this microphone and the reason that Chance is in front of the microphone and the reason that Fran is in front of the microphone is because we're supposed to be here right now doing this thing. And so um, why would I second guess the positions that we've created ourselves to be here? And so that doesn't change the fact that I still feel the pressure, though. I feel the pressure for the team. And so when I'm, if I underperform and I let down the team, that's, that's one of my fears is letting down the team. And so it's my job, of course, to bring enough skill set or enough experience, enough bearing to the problem that those failures are minimized. But even just a, even a 10%. If I'm 10% off, if I screw up 10%, that's enough for me to think, I'm, I'm not digging this. And that uh, failure for the team on behalf of the team irks me. And so, yeah, I'll be here tomorrow accepting that ball, making that throw. Hopefully I nail that three-pointer. But it doesn't change the fact that I feel the pressure of the moment when I'm standing on that line about to throw a three-pointer. And uh, if I don't nail it, I feel it. I feel the failure of the moment. It doesn't cripple me. It doesn't make me lose sleep. What it does do is there's enough importance to the moment or there's enough relevancy to the 
minor failure point that I'm going to freaking address the failure and I'm going to do better the following day. So uh, for me, uh, my individual failures, uh, whatever, but when I'm fe- failing for the team, that's, that's a, that's a good thing for Sean, because then I really get heavily invested in making a rapid evolution uh, process uh, so that it doesn't, or I do my best to not let it happen again the following day. I think this is an important okay, point. Test quite what do you got, friend? No, go ahead. I was going to say, t- test question, Sean. Why do you feel the pressure? Why do we, why do we feel pressure? What do you think, Sean? You can answer. Yeah, so uh, why do I feel pressure? It's because uh, I don't want to let down the team. Uh, And that's just something that's driven to me over a long period of time. Because I care. You're right. I do care. Sometimes too much, maybe. Maybe sometimes too much. Right. We feel pressure because we care. We don't want to let someone down. We care about the result. We don't want to let ourselves down. So we have this sense of pressure, which then it can actually stagnate or impede our ability to take action. Right. And so that pressure and understanding how much, understanding how much we care can lead to this inflated sense of pressure. Right. But we're, but then we have to think about what are we caring about? Right? Are we caring about, so how, how, what do you do? Right. Like, what do you do? Okay. Because you, if you think about the result, I have this conversation with my daughter all the time. You know, because she's like, you know, she, she's in, she cares about the result. And I said, okay, well, if all I care about is, is the result and I don't love the process, I'm never going to achieve the result. So we have to love the process. If I'm going, if I'm sitting here, you know, in my business and I'm like, oh, I have a revenue target that I want to hit. And every day I'm looking at that number going, ah, you know, what's going on? When am I going to hit it? That's not doing me any good. But when I wake up every day and I say, what opportunities are out there? What opportunities am I going to go after? How many times am I going to call these guys who don't call me back? Because I know that I've only contacted two times and the average sale is closed after five. Well, guess what? I got 10 more times that I get to call these guys to make this happen. Now we create opportunity, and all of a sudden, my ability to reach that number become it, it increases. If all I'm worried about is hitting, is is, is making my dive. You know, I'm thinking about my conversation with Laura Wilkinson. You know, where we talked about this, and you know, and, and she's standing on top of a 10 meter platform, and all she's thinking about is the score at the end. Well, then she's not thinking about the technique that has to be executed from when she launches off the platform, and the only thing in her head is going through the visualization of how her body has to move through the air. The result will be the result. But if we don't enjoy and embrace and love the process, we'll never get there. See, I'm a, I'm a, like, if you think about a diet, talking about pressure, right? Like I think we used to have a, we used to have volume knobs on a lot of stuff. We don't now. Right. But I'm like a zero or a 10. Yeah. I either care tremendously about something and I'm all in, and there's a sense of pressure in everything I do, or I just don't care. And even though that thing might have magnitude to it, other people might freak out because they care about it. 
I may not care at all. And therefore, I feel no pressure. Because it doesn't matter to me. So pressure is not a bad thing. As long as we channel it. I like that. I like that a lot. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I was thinking of a quote, actually, when you guys were talking there. And it is, one's destiny is, is met most often on the roads we take to avoid it. And I, I think this plays into the fear of failure a lot of times because in, in being afraid of the failure itself, we don't prepare, we don't plan, we don't do the work that's necessary in order to succeed through that thing, whatever it is. And then we fail because we didn't do any of the planning and then we didn't do any of the, any of the process, right? So I, I find that a really clean segue into this and in that if we're focused on failing, if we're focused on um, all the things that can go wrong, all the things are going to go wrong. <laughs> it's just kind of a kind of a, a weird uh, juxtaposition there. But Sean, any thoughts on uh, what Fran was saying? Well, um, to, to the point that you just made, I plan for the worst and hope for the best. So that's the way I've run my life is I plan the contingencies to face all of the worst case scenarios. And then the, the rest is gravy, baby. So I do plan for the worst and I do hope for the best. And whatever shows up, I it doesn't frazzle me because I've already considered worst cases. So <clears throat> that that might not work for everyone, but that certainly worked for me for a long, long time. Back to what Fran is saying, you know, the uh, the the fear of failure and um, you know, pursuing it. Um uh, pursuing the win. Uh, I fully agree with him. It's pursuing the process for me. The process is all that matters. The outcomes will show up. And what, what do I mean by outcome? Maybe you get third, maybe you get 33rd. That is completely unimportant to me as a coach. As I used to say to all of my athletes, I don't care if you got third or 33rd. All I care about is that you did your best in the event, in the moment. And the result that you got is the result that you deserve, along with a bit of bad luck that showed up when your chain broke or when you lost a water bottle or whatever the case is. Things happen, for sure. But at the end of the race, at the end of the day, the outcome that you get is based on what you put into it before the event. And so, uh, again, whether you place third or 33rd, never, ever bothered me as a coach. All that ever bothered me was that you went all in leading up to the event, that you went all in during the event, and now here we are standing talking to each other, figuring out where it might have gone wrong or where it might have gone right. So uh, for me, the, the score for the diver after the dive is almost inconsequential as a coach. I want them to be happy. I want them to get an 11 out of 10 if that makes them happy, if that's what they wanted. But if they don't get it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't frazzle me as a coach because what they got is what they deserve to some degree. And that's based on a long-term process. Absolutely. Fran, thoughts on this? Yeah. So there's a, um, so when I work with uh, rowing teams, this comes up. Okay. And it's this concept of, are we racing to win or are we racing to not lose? Because they're two different things. Okay. And when you look at 
I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about about sports here, but you know, you can put it in the business kind of, you put it in whatever context you want. But this comes up a lot when you go against adversaries who are dominant in in your in your sport in your field, right? Like there are teams that are consistently good, okay, like year over year, year over year, and when you lose to a team consistently over you know years, decades, whatever, what ends up getting put into your mind by default is I'm I'm going out here now to not not lose. Let's not lose today because we've lost a lot to, the, to these, these folks. And the approach that you take when you're trying not to lose versus when you're trying to win is like a 2% difference. But it has a 100% difference on the result. Because it is, it's all about, it changes how you actually approach the problem from the very start. From the very start. Okay? Because it, it transforms everything you're doing into an action versus a reaction. If I'm trying not to lose... I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking about what you're doing and what I have to do to counter what you're doing. If I'm racing to win, I don't care about you because I'm going out there to do whatever it takes, however it takes it to push you back. And I'm going to, and I'm going to continuously do that. And keep punching you in the face until I'm ready to stop. Not until you tell me to stop. I really like that, Sean. I saw you smirk. I know you got something to say on that. <laughs> I do. I do. And and it's and it it's gonna be directly related specifically to twenty four hour solo mountain bike racing, and here's why. Because if you tow the line on a 24 hour solo thinking that you're racing someone else, you've already lost 24 hour mountain bike races kind of go like this. You race for a lot of hours and then somewhere near the end, like maybe hour 20, maybe hour 18, it doesn't matter when it is. That's when the race actually starts. So you got to put in a boatload of work with nobody cheering you. As you're moving through the dark forest, you just got to keep grinding for lack of a better term and stay in the game to the actual, when the race begins, and that's in the back third of the race, the last eight hours kind of thing, the last six hours. And so at that point, you are only racing yourself. You are only squeezing out every single bit of juice that you've got every single minute for the last eight hours. That's where it all comes together. You don't, you lose the race in the first two to three hours if you go out all jazz hands and too hot of a pace thinking that you're a superstar, that you're gonna beat everyone in the first three hours. If you're trying to beat everyone in the first three hours, see you later. You're vomiting on the side of the trail about hour 14, you're out of there. But if you, if you set the race properly, if you pace properly, if you know that it's going to be a long process, well, you just find your groove, whatever that means to you. 
but knowing that the back end of the race is where the race begins. And that back end of the race is just you against you, squeezing out everything that you've got. And here's, here's the hard news. When you're out there doing that in those last eight hours, you've already had 16 hours up in your grill. You've already been in your head for 16 hours thinking, holy cronkamoly, look at that guy go by. He's so fast. Holy, what is even just happening? Did you see that guy dot, dot, dot? All the little things that you get to spool up in your head that you could focus on incorrectly, that's what's going to throw you off the game. So you've got to keep a tight bandwidth. You've got to keep a tight game. You've got to stay focused in those first 16 hours. Because in the last eight hours, you need a really tight laser beam focus on what's about to happen. And that is you smashing on you hard with all that you got. You're not racing someone who's just passed you. You're not racing someone who you just passed. It's just you squeezing out every single second most efficiently and effectively as you can. So if you at hour 22 get a flat tire, well, guess what? You don't like shrug your shoulders and think, oh, I'm losing spots. That's not what you think. What you do is like, dang, I got to get to work on this, like lickety split. I got to change this flat like now. I got to do it as fast as I can to get back in the game so that I can retain whatever lead I've got, not versus someone else, but versus myself. Giving up racing is not giving up seconds. And that is something that if you're racing 24 hours nonstop is a hard thing to understand until you lose a 24 hour solo race by 10 seconds, which I did. I placed second to a guy by 10 seconds, 10 freaking seconds, man. So when you're out there on a 24 hour course thinking like, ah, oh, you know what? No big deal. I've got, I've got a few minutes to myself. I can just stretch out on the side of the trail. No, you can't. Seconds count. Every freaking second counts. And that gets lost in the white noise of holy cronkamoly. It's a full 24 hour race. You can, you can start giving away seconds because you think that there's so many minutes. Well, there are a lot of minutes. But there's a lot of seconds that you got to get to work in those minutes. And so a 24-hour race will teach you how you've got to stay engaged in the process, within the process, in the now. And, and the why of the moment is, well, I'm going to freaking smash as hard as I can and get the best result that I can based on me controlling me. You can't worry about the people around you because you can't control them. You've only got you and you alone to do your best focused in the second. So a 24-hour race will teach you a lot about whether you're in the game and if you're in the game for the right reason. If you're desperately chasing a podium finish, but you're not focusing on the second-by-second -second race, you'll lose sight of why you're there in that present time. That's my thought. Friend? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, what are we taught? What are you taught in the military? Right? Like, what is it? What What are you taught in a raid in the military? Speed and violence of action. If I'm worried about and consumed my entire thought process with the result and the pressure and what if I fail and all this other nonsense, 
then how am I focused on what I have to execute in that moment? I can't be focused on it. I can't be focused on the fundamentals, the basics, the foundations, the things that I have to do to a high level with precision that I have to execute over and over again in order to be successful. When we think about something like, how can I execute something with speed and violence of action if I'm worried about all this other stuff? I can't. And so then we're going through the door a step slower. We're going through our progression a step slower. We're taking the, as Sean said, we're taking the extra 10 seconds to stretch. Okay, we're sitting on the couch at six, eight, eight o'clock at night, I say six, but eight o'clock at night, we're sitting on the couch instead of stretching or thinking about what, what, what should I be reading right now to make me better? What's that email I didn't send that I could have sent today that I should do today instead of tomorrow? What's that opportunity I didn't review that might pass me by if I miss something? So we can't do that if all we're worried about is the result and the pressure and all this stuff. What we have to worry about is the process, loving the process and making it and doing everything deliberately, deliberately. If all I'm worried about is the result and how I feel on the pressure, I can't be deliberate about my actions. If I'm in the moment, then I can be deliberate about what I did because I'm focused on it. I, uh, I got this mental image of, a, of an entire raid force sitting outside an objective doing like calisthenics and like, gotta limber up everybody. <laughs> Kicked in my head. Um, so I, that's a fantastic point. And I want to touch on something that you guys, you had man, uh, mentioned a second ago, Sean, was if you go out there, you smash, you give your 100% into the objective, you into the race, into whatever it is, you know, you hit the raid with speed and violence of action and everything goes wrong and you're, you're working through it. You're doing everything you can. You do your absolute best in the moment and you finish, let's say a 24 hour race and you lose by 10 seconds and you, you put everything you could into that and you know, you did, but you wanted to win that one. That was like, you really wanted to win that. How do you manage inside inside that failure in that moment after after putting it all on the line loving the process engaging through the whole thing doing it right but then having and not not seeing the success that your effort would entail if that makes sense sean i'm gonna come to you first what do you think well i don't mind losing by 10 seconds if i was all in if I was giving her, if I was like doing my best, me racing me, I don't mind losing by 10 seconds. I mean, it sucks, but I don't mind if I was putting my all in. But if I was dogging it, oh boy, that's a problem. That's going to chew me up. Losing by 10 seconds, losing by 10 minutes, it doesn't matter. If I was dogging it out there, like half-assing it, that's a problem. And that's regret, man. And so... Regret it, regret in the moment, like after the race finishes, two minutes after the race finishes, you're feeling a, a twinge of regret because you half-assed it. <laughs> well, magnify that by 10 a year later. Magnify it by 100 10 years later. That 
that reflection backwards into the past of, oh man, I half-assed that, that could have been mine. Well, those kind of regrets will kind of chew you up to some degree. And that's why it says at the top of the, uh, of the screen right now, every moment, do your best every day. Cause it strips out a lot of the regret. You don't have to face as much regret. If you get in the game, do your best. And then the chips fall as they fall. The outcome will be whatever it is based on however much you put into the thing. And so I don't mind losing unless I half-assed it. Then I mind losing. And that's just me being hard on Sean for half-assing it out there. And so um, 10 seconds, loss, no big deal. Now, what, what it did teach me was, man, I, I could have had that if I would have tightened my game up here, 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 and here. It's not that I was slacking it out there. It's just that it then reinforces the opportunity to tighten up my game in certain areas so that that loss should have or could have or would have been a win if I would have just applied this, that, and the other thing, the lessons of the day, if I apply them in the next race. And that's 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 kind of like a world champion mindset. That's how I you know, became one, I suppose, is because... I was unaccepting of my mistakes and I iterated them into the next event to do it better and better and better each time, always seeking betterment, always pursuing excellence, always looking to, you know, get the result that I had kind of loosely established for myself. And these are things that, you know, a 10 second loss are lessons as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Bren, thoughts on that? I think you can execute free if you've put everything in. I mean, that's why it's called your best. If you put your best in, sometimes there's someone who's better. That's just the way it is. But at least you can be free in knowing that I put everything there. I didn't have anything else. You know, yeah, it sucks. You know, like why do it if you don't want to win? Like I'd argue, I'd argue that, right? Like if I if I'm not going if I'm not going out to win and be successful, I'm not at all. So certainly I'm going to be upset if I didn't achieve the result that I wanted or I expected of myself. But if I put everything in, yeah, look, you got to learn from it. Maybe there's things you could have done better. Yeah. But you could be free. Now I have a question on this and I, I want you to get maybe a postulation on this in that. So, sorry, if I, I got just got to drop this in uh, based on what Fran just said. You got to be free. And and I think that he's, he's saying that casually and it's not being picked up maybe by the audience fully on the, on the magnificence of that statement. You got to be free. At the end of an event, you've got to be free. At the end of uh, anything, you've got to be free. And you can see it in athletes. We're talking about athletics uh, to, uh, a fair bit in this one, but this plays out to every industry, every aspect of life. If after a thing, you can slump down in the old lazy boy and just let it all go and think, wow, that one was a cracker. That was like freaking full on. That was a good effort. If you can let it go, if you can be satisfied enough that you're, 
you kind of slump down into something and just think, whoa, that was a, that was pretty wild, but I did pretty good. I did well for myself or I'm, I gave it my all and let out that big satisfying sigh. I've seen it so many times in so many athletes where they didn't win, but they let out that satisfied sigh because I know and they know that they put it all on the line. They went hard, as hard as they could. They gave it their all. And at the end of a freak show event, they're left with the satisfaction that they put all their chips in and it, the hand played out how it played out. And now they have let it go. They, they can sigh into the moment and be satisfied, not regretful, but be satisfied with they went hard. And so that fear of failure never exists in that moment. Never. Quite the contrary. It's the polar opposite of the fear of failure. It's, the, it's, it's satisfaction. It's the enjoyment of the moment knowing that you did something that was freakishly hard, that was challenging, that had the opportunity for failure and opportunity for win. And there was no fear in the moment. You were just smashing on the problem. And the outcome is what the outcome is. And you're satisfied with your effort. Where that side doesn't occur is when you kind of half-ass things. And so it doesn't have to be a 24-hour solo. It doesn't have to be the CrossFit games. It doesn't have to be trying to flap your way to the moon. It doesn't have to be anything massively epic. It can be as simple as doing a better job buying groceries today and having a sense of satisfaction that you dialed up your game, you saw an outcome, and you can sigh on the fact that you put some skin in the game. A, a great clarification, and you're absolutely right to do that because the mo that concept of being free is true. Fran, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Sean's talking, and I'm thinking about like even even being a, a, a father, you know, a parent, right? You know, I mean, you could, I, mean, I, I think about that, you know, every day is, you know, did I put in the amount of time today with my kids that I should have or that I could have? Or was I, you know, or did they, you know, pull my, pull my, you know, leg one too many times where I was like, man, you know, you're, you're not paying attention to them right now. Right, because then you know, like, all right, if it got to that point, this has probably been going on for the last several minutes, and I didn't even really realize it. So you can apply this thought to, to anything that you that you're doing in your life, um, but also I would I would argue, you don't be too hard on yourself, because we are, if you are a, if you are a, a somebody who strives. To, for elite performance, if you are somebody who has your hands in a lot of different cookie jars and you're you're trying to do a lot of stuff and you're trying to do it all perfectly, I'm one who you you can do that. Uh, you can do everything well, but know that they're not. It's not always going well on all fronts, and there is only so many hours in the day. Um, and our job is to prioritize and think about what matters in this moment. Um, and, and, you know, think about like the magnitude 
uh, and the impact of some of these things we put in our head that like, we'll fail if we do this. You know, like, will we really? Like when it's 7.30 at night and you know I've got to post my Instagram post between 7.30 and 8 and you know my kids aren't going to bed yet and my wife's yelling at me and you know I'm standing in the room like, leave me alone, I'm trying to make my Instagram post. Is it really going to matter if I do that at 8.50 or, or 8.30? Probably not. So, so try to be like realistic in, in what we are putting on you know, putting on top of that pedestal and what we are and how we are holding ourselves accountable for certain things. And, you know, do we, does it, does it really matter? You know, at the end of the day, and, you know, again, some of those things that we say are failure, you know, are they, are they really final failures? You know, like we had a podcast go out this morning and I was up at you know, four thirty getting everything ready to go out and like, darn, got the and I, have time for this and got this thing done and it's like well, if I spend 15 minutes like putting her back to bed you know, it's not going to matter yeah absolutely and th- it's, I have a thought on this and I'm wondering want to get your guys' uh, opinion on it is that do you think perhaps that the fear the fear of failure is basically an amalgamation of past regret in that the things that we have done in the past that we have failed in when we didn't give our all and we feel that sting that that regret of not making it or not putting in all of the effort that then kind of reforms into a a fear of the future failure of that uh that happening again of us not putting that effort in and feeling that sting of regret versus having that feeling of being free after whatever it is an event or you know when you when when you put everything in and you still fail like you said you don't really it doesn't feel the same as when you don't put your all in what do you think on that one sean yeah i mean habits create your present time. So whatever your habits are, that's what you're getting today. And if you want a better future, then you adjust your habits. And so if your habit is being to half-ass life and then have these regretful moments every time you fail and that's creating fear, then flippity-flop that script. Change your habits. And so change them from half-assing to going all in. And you know what? That might only be an extra 4%. It might only be an extra 5%. No big deal. If you haven't done it for a while, give it a go. Like go all in on a few things for a few weeks. Go all in on, on whatever it is that you want to try it out on, as a, even as an experiment. Just try a little bit harder on your next few weeks and see how it plays out for you. By going all in, it will stop that half-assing mentality, which will start to reduce the regret, regret, reduce the regret of the outcome. And so if you're used to constantly failing and now you've got a fear of failure, it might be, might be, because you've never gone all in and be satisfied with your effort towards the outcome. If you're happy with your effort, 
failure is way less of a big deal. Failure just becomes normal. If you went all in, you'll be okay with the failure. It's that cognitive dissonance where you know you half-assed it to some degree, and then you're not happy with the outcome. And so you're fearing the next event, whatever that is, because you're used to regretfully not getting the result that you want. Yeah. Bran, thoughts? I would say, well, we are... So we have this thing called effective intelligence, and it's like one of the characteristics that soft assesses talent on. And effective intelligence is, is, is how well we use the aggregate experiences of our past to shape our future decisions. So no matter what we do, we're, you know, I had a boss that used to say, we're a victim of our own experiences. And that's reality. Everything we do in our life, every experience that we have is going to shape our perspective in one way or another, good, bad, you know, you name it. Right? And we're going to look back on those experiences. But the question is, what do you learn from them? What do you learn from the good? What do you learn from the bad? How do you apply it to your future decision? How do you apply it? You know, Sean talked about habits. It's all about habits. It's all about foundations. Every podcast episode we do, I ask at the end, you know, what are the three, what are the three things you do every day to set the foundations for success in your world? It's, it's habits. You know, if I if I don't work out and I eat poorly, and I don't sleep, then I you know I look like crap and I feel like crap. <laughs> That's it. You know, am I going to beat myself up over it? Yeah. I mean, last night I was beating myself up over it last night. You know, but that's where you got to put things in the perspective too and define what is success right now. What's success in, in your life right now? What are the goals that you're striving to achieve? Because again, I go back to what I said before that you, you can't always be successful at everything that you're doing. And if, you know, and, and you know, when I look at it, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I got, I got three kids, two little ones. Trying to build, you know, two businesses at an early stage, which takes a tremendous amount of effort and engagement of, of my front. Some things are going to fall through the cracks. Maybe I'm going to eat pizza one too many times during the week. I'm going to miss a couple of workouts during the week. I'm going to I'm going to be upset with myself when I look in the mirror a bunch of times during the week. But am I going to beat myself up over it? No, because the reality is, is that something has to give. And right now, that's what I've chosen to make it a little bit. Maybe next week, I won't have to come to you know, New York every single day next week like I did this week. And so I'll eat a little better. I'll work out every day. But I'm not going to be in as many meetings. I'm not going to be doing as much. So how are we defining success? And then how are we aligning our actions for success? Yeah. That is a, uh, that's a great point. Now I know you got to run right away. Sean, you got a, a quick point I do. before what, we do some final what, thoughts? What, what Fran just uh, illustrated was making micro successful decisions throughout his day where he's facing challenges. It's a branching moment where he gets to decide, do I work hard on the thing that is important to me or do I just give up a little bit of sleep or I give up a little bit of pizza or I give up a whatever it is. Fran's making conscious, intentional decisions that are shaping his immediate future based on a deep pedigree of making decisions just like this on the regular. And he's allocated what his sense of success is and his sense of what failures look like 
based on consciously in the now making the right decision for him based on the things that are directly in front of his nose. So he's not like guessing when he's making these decisions. They are decisions based on experience. He knows what he needs to do. He knows what he has to give up. That's the way it is because he's been in the game a long time. And I'm not going to second guess anything that Fran's doing because I know Fran's making all the right decisions based on what's directly in front of him as a challenging battle space. So that is the key to this conversation. If you haven't ever created enough experience to be able to deal in the now, the branching moment of the now, making the right choice for you based on how you understand what you want in your immediate future as success, it takes time, it takes practice, it takes experience, which Fran has. And so any choices that he makes an hour from now will be the right choice for him and the thing that he wants in his immediate future. And so this week, next week, the week after it's pizza or not, he'll figure that out because he knows how to play this game because he's been in the game a long time. So for me, what Fran just said is critical in the sense of it gets context to someone who's been in the game a long time will address fear way differently than someone who hasn't been in the game quite as much. It just takes time. It takes practice to work through these real-time moments of branching decisions, understand why you're making the choice, and then dealing with the choice that you make, and then perhaps modifying it in the future so you get better at it. Yeah, getting those reps. Um, Fran, I know you got to run, so do you have any, uh, any final thoughts before we, we let you go for the afternoon? Yeah, I'd say, look, don't, don't fear failure, seize opportunity. And that's that's what it's about because you know moments where we feel the pressure it's because we care and it's because we think it's something that's important to us and we're going to make a choice and the choices we make are going to affect our performance whether the habits that we put in the place that are in the foundations that we're going to fall back on whether it's who's going to who's going to hold the ball and when the clock ticks down you know my perspective is I would rather have tried and failed every single day of the week than not tried at all. Because it's not about if I fail, it's about what happens if I succeed. And just to quantify one point that I made, when I talk about, you know, you, you know wanting the ball in your hands when, when the buzzer's ticking down, doesn't mean you might not be the one who takes the shot. I might not be the one who takes the shot, but I certainly want to be the decision maker. And who takes the shot? Might be somebody better on my team than me. But I want to be that decision maker. And leaders go to the point of impact. Where are they most impactful at any moment? Sometimes it's strategy. Sometimes it's tactical. That that, and that holds true in life and business and the military and sports. Where am I going to put myself at this moment to have the most impact to achieve? And then just go do cares what happens to so figure it out if it doesn't work out love it that is fantastic uh sean you got any final thoughts no i like that leaders go where the impact is required leaders create impact where they go strategically tactically all of the things that fran just said freaking love it even even from a parking lot next to mcdonald's fran is bringing the heat <laughs> 
I was gonna say that uh, I maybe, wish maybe we should pick yeah. maybe we should pick a different McDonald's to steal your internet from next time. <laughs> yeah, it was a fantastic uh, conversation, Fran. You know, I really do appreciate it. What do you got? What do you got? All right, guys. Thanks so much, and uh, and happy to to you guys and and everybody who's who's a fan of the show and watching. Appreciate everything you guys are doing. Keep up. Absolutely. And I'm going to, the only thing I'm going to say at the end here, and as well as my normal thing is, as it says right up here, every moment, do your best every day. So continue to learn, build, grow with us here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Chimo. Chimo.